All right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. All right, so you know here at the cafe, we always have a conversation centered around a drink. I have my trusty water as always. And today we are going to do some passion lavender or orange passion tea that I'm going to pour into this cup. Um, No alcohol today, just a little tea to get the pipes right. Um, But anyhow, you are in episode 52. Episode 52 um, is entitled Single in a relationship, oh, it's complicated. All right, so obviously we are talking about um, relationship status on social media. We are continuing our discussion in regards to killer posts series as it relates to different crimes where social media either was the cause of the crime or at least um, allow individuals to be able to solve the crime. And so episode 52 would take us to United Kingdom. I don't know what part of the United Kingdom, actually, because um, the series was not that very good at identifying that. But apparently it is in the Crown Court. Um, And so, um, yes, so we are in United Kingdom. We are discussing um, a matter that involved a Miss Sarah Richardson. Miss Sarah Richardson was a 26 year old. Um, whose life was taken at an early age, obviously 26 years um, of age um, when her life was snuffed out. So let's talk a little bit of how this particular case opened. So we start back, we go back into May 12, 2008. So about, ooh, if my math is correct, about 14 years from now. Um, and so we are in United Kingdom. It opens up where there is pandemonium. Okay. Um, and essentially what happens is this, is that a young lady was on her bicycle. She had to be no more than 13, 14. She had a little job. I don't know if this was the weekend. I didn't look back to see what May 12th was, but I presume she was down to school because it was during the daytime. Mm. Steamy. She was going on her bike and she was throwing the newspaper onto the different porches, right? Um, who um, purchased newspaper for her to actually give to them. So there was one particular house where when she threw the newspaper, apparently she heard some glass crackling, right? And so she, being a little 13, 14, however old she was, curiosity took the best of her. So she decided to get off of her bicycle and actually go to the location where the newspaper hit the glass. And so as she goes up on this porch, she also sees that the glass is shattered all over the floor or on the porch, actually, the cement. Um, And then she sees that the door is ajar, right? And so it's almost like it's off the hinges. And instead of like, saying to herself okay mm, something isn't right here she decides that she's going to go in a little bit so she starts to go in she calls hello anyone home anyone here type of thing i don't even know if she knew who um the actually 
the, who actually lived there or who the newspaper belonged to. I think her job was really to ride down the street on her bicycle and throw newspapers. I'm sure she wasn't even aiming appropriately like she had her headphones on. Okay, putting that aside. But she goes in and as she is entering into the first portion of um, the corridor where the door enters into, she sees blood. And it's at that particular point where she runs and she screams like, ah, what is going on? Right. So she goes to get help. Um, and so eventually this is when the police shows up go into the home and as they're going into the room home they notice that there is a lot of blood a trail of blood all over the place right and so they naturally follow where this blood is gone and so the blood leads them to um, a bedroom and when they go into the bedroom they see that there is just blood all over the place blood on the wall blood on the floor in the bed, the blood, the bed is essentially covered with blood. Um, and in the middle of the bed is a young lady um, who is obviously deceased, who's also covered in all types of blood. Right. And so the coroner, when they came to identify or at least to come to the scene to do what they need to do to to identify what happened and, and potentially try to identify who the victim was it was uncovered that she had she been the victim had over 47 stab wounds and lacerations so obviously this was a apparently a crime of passion you don't spend that much time stabbing someone if it's just random right and i think the last week's episode we talked about that with you know stabbing is personable right typically whenever you hear any kind of cases dealing with individuals who've been stabbed it normally is and particularly stabbed over and over and over and over right it typically involves a scene of passion and so that's what happened in this particular case the investigators had to find out who who the heck is this young lady right and then they find out that the young lady name is sarah richardson and they find that out from the neighbors because the home that she was in was actually her parents home and she had recently moved back home maybe within the last three weeks right so they identify that it's the parents home they contact the parents and you know this is just unfortunately this is some kind of horrible news that no parent wants to hear their child is deceased in addition to that they're deceased by such egregious circumstances as this individual was miss sarah richardson the parents said that they had just left her to go to work less than two hours ago so two hours ago they were able to know that their baby girl was alive and well and kicking they leave the home to go to their respective positions and their respective jobs and then have to be notified that their child is dead so it, it, it was just a horrible thing but and 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 so the the cops are trying to figure out what's going on is this like a robbery gone bad is this like someone you know was there any kind of sexual assault associated with it and the person got pissed because she put up a fight or she decided she and sarah decided that she was not going to be a victim um to sexual abuse and so they got angry and killed her or 
was this the work of something else something more egregious than what it was so within 40 minutes to an hour of them being on the scene investigating the scene of the crime in this particular case they get another phone call and they get another phone call and that phone call is that there was a jogger who was jogging down the path and then all of a sudden someone else came out bloodied all over the place and fell down and so they are in the park with blood all over the place apparently also stabbed so immediately and this is less than a few blocks from where sarah was actually lying in the pool of her own blood in the bedroom of her parents home and so the cops are thinking okay what in the world is going on now now before they before they get that call let me back up before they get that call they do try to inquire from sarah's parents if there is anyone who you know would want to do her harm do her wrong or do her danger um, does she have any enemies and you know their their perspective was no she didn't have any enemies um you know she was loved but what they did say is that if anyone wanted to do anything to her it would be her strange husband edward richardson so um as I stated, Sarah had recently moved back to her parents' home about three weeks earlier because she, at that particular point, separated from her husband at that time. So her husband's name was Edward Richardson. Before they're able to go and communicate with Edward Richardson, they received this phone call that there's another body lying in the park. And at this point, they're trying to figure out, okay, are these connected? If they are connected, is this like a serial killer? Is this like someone just going on a random killing spree, like a, a spree killer? So there's a difference between a serial killer and a spree killer. I I used to major in criminal justice. I don't. But I, I think the, the simplest way to identify the two is that a serial killer is someone who gets the thrill from... Um, killing certain individuals they had a, a mo and how they go about and do it right um sometimes there's sexual gratification from the aspect of being able to kill a person and they do it more than once so there's obviously serial meaning you know more than once that they're killing more than one person right now um, it's normally sometimes planned sometimes these people watch their victim for weeks and months because there is this personable aspect to it from their perspective there's something psychological that makes them want this particular victim now a spree killer is different a spree killer is for gratification instant fun typically you know the concept of just going around riding around um, from one place to another and killing people for just sheer joy and typically a spree killer does not think about the type of victim that they they want and things of that nature okay now that's the gist of it. I'm sure that if you go to someone who actually studies this and maybe it's a psychiatrist or something of that nature, they will have a more sophisticated answer. But that's the difference between a serial killer and a spree killer. But moving on, they get to the park. They identify that this is a young guy, not a female. Right. So the victims are obviously different. They're different genders. Right. But they see that this individual is lying in the park full of blood as well but he's still alive right he's still breathing and so they try to communicate with him he's he's having difficulty talking but they do find some identification on his body um and lo and behold who is it edward 
Richardson. And so he is wounded. He has a cut, a knife cut around his neck. And then his hands are obviously also impacted by knife wounds as well. So they call the ambulance. They rush him to the hospital so that they can potentially save his life. And they speak to a jogger who is the one who called in the fact that this individual was there and asked this jogger. And I think it was a female, but they don't really make it clear what happened. Right. So from the jogger's perspective, that jogger was jogging on the path. And then all of a sudden rushing out of the bushes is this guy who happens to be Edward Richardson, who is the estranged husband of Sarah and he's running out bleeding profusely asking for help and then he just falls out and so the jogger then calls 911 so then we are in this situation where we obviously have um two individuals injured we don't know if there's going to be a third right they happen to know each other right um and so the question becomes what happened why are these individuals in the predicament that they're in okay so the police or the investigators are able to go to the hospital because again he was alive when he was on the ground they rushed him to the hospital they were able to survive him or save him and so he is at the hospital he'd been at richardson the investigators go there because obviously he was attacked maybe he can identify what's going on and so they go to speak to him and he basically says he doesn't know who who attacked them it all came as a blur so they ask when why were you in this area because obviously they're estranged they're not together so why were you in this area where your um ex-wife was and so he immediately said well that's not my ex-wife that's my estranged wife meaning that um there was no divorce decree they're separated under some um, terms where they feel like at this moment they can't be in the same household and reside in the same dwelling right so he says that's my strange wife and the reason that i was in that area was that i was going there to communicate with her and try to patch this up because i felt like we should work this out we've been married for about three years now we've been together for about five there's no point of throwing this away essentially right now what he says is is that he went into the home to try to surprise sarah and in the process of doing that he was just attacked out of the blue and in the process of him being attacked after he was attacked he ran out the home and tried to get away and that's how he ended up at the park all right the police at this particular point is trying to figure out okay what what's the connection between these two incidents right that there is a female who's who's severely wounded right and as i indicated deceased and then her estranged husband is wounded he's in the hospital but survived and he asks you know is sarah okay and so that's when the investigators broke the news that sarah was deceased okay so he goes into shock start crying they attempt to try to get something out of him but just was in, unable to get any information from him because he claims that when he was attacked he also hit his head which caused some kind of memory loss so that's where we are so let's go 
back into time like we always do when we talk about these particular cases and let's put some perspective to who these people are. So Sarah and Edward met while Sarah was working as a, I think the right term is beautician, right? Hairdresser. Anyway, she cut hair, did people hair, whatever. He happened to go into her particular salon to get his hair done and they just hit it off like almost immediately. He was in his late 30s at this particular time. So he's a little older than her, maybe, I don't know, somewhere anywhere between five to 10 years older than her. But they went out on dates and they just, the chemistry was there. They bonded very quickly. Sarah saw him as someone who was stable. He was a contractor. Um, well, a carpenter. He owned his own business. He was pretty stable. He seemed to be financially stable. He seemed to be well kept and put together. And at this particular time in her life, she was looking for that. And so she and Edward, you know, they started dating um, ritually, basically, for two years. After two years of dating, Edward asked Sarah to marry her. And she said yes. And so they got married and um, they were married for about three years. Now, as any relationship, you know, when you start congregating and living together and, and being one community, I mean, especially when you put on that title of husband and wife, things change. Right. Um, and so there were some some hiccups, some bumps in their relationship. But even at the very beginning, when they were dating, they both liked to party. They both seemed to be night owls, like to go out to the dance club, like to go out and listen to the music. Boom, boom, boom. Shake it down. And part of their excitement, though, was is that they also kind of pushed the limits on the things that they would do together. For instance, they started doing drugs together. And not just like marijuana, apparently, but cocaine, right? Cocaine, a hell of a drug, right? According to, um, she's a super freak, super freak. She's a super freak, not Rick James, right? (laughs) Um, So, you know, they started doing cocaine together and apparently it was, you know, part of the process of doing that, that that created some issues they they began living together then once they got married um and financial bills started to pile up they were stressing about that they had stressors in regards to that and one of the things that they were saying was that they sarah and edward didn't communicate they went in sync with one another with the bills like i guess maybe one of them was keeping bills and and using credit cards and don't know what's going on and not paying the bills and the other one didn't find out to the shut up notice game things of that nature right they just were not in sync with one another with respect to the bills even though they both worked even though edward had his own business was doing well in the carpentry um profession and even though she was doing well um doing hair and in the beautician world i don't know what the right word is cosmetology right even though she was good in her profession as a cosmetologist which i think is also people who do hair right because you go to cosmetology school, you can do makeup or hair. And when you go into salon, sometimes they're in the same business. Anyway, whatever. I'm just, <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm being politically correct. Anyway, in her p- particular profession, she was doing well, but they just were not in sync with another. Okay. Um, and so they were fighting a lot um, to the point where they were throwing things at each other. They were 
um, pushing each other and things of this nature. So ultimately, they decided that they needed to take a break. And this is when she went to live with her parents. Edward didn't think that they should break up, right? He thought they needed some space, but he didn't think they should necessarily break up. Okay. Now let's fast forward back to where Edward is in the hospital trying to speak to investigators about what's going on. So in the process of not knowing who, who attacked him, now finding out that his estranged wife is now deceased, the investigators ask him, well, do you know who might want to harm her? And he said no, but he, you know, he did disclose that Sarah, to according to him, had a huge drug problem. And so perhaps um, because she owed someone money for drugs, perhaps this individual's, individual was trying to come to collect on a debt that was owed to this person. And because Sarah couldn't pay that, in fact, maybe that's who attacked him and who attacked Sarah okay so the cops take that into perspective they ask them like who's her drug dealer do you know who she hangs around with other than you basically who she did drugs with he couldn't provide a name a number a description of anyone right and so the, the investigators decided that what they would do is that they would have to be forced to go and ask Sarah's parents, right? So because he couldn't, he been Edward couldn't provide any details in regards to how and strung out, quote unquote, Sarah was on, on cocaine that maybe her parents would know. So they go and ask the parents and the parents are basically like, absolutely not. You're freaking crazy. She would never do drugs. Now, the parents could be oblivious to the fact that their loved one, the baby girl, was on drugs or used drugs. They could be blinded by that. Just didn't want to see it. Or Sarah was very good at hiding the fact that she was on drugs or she was never on drugs. And it's just some bullshit. Right. Because this is yet another reason why the parents said immediately you should go talk to her strange husband. So with that in mind after getting that information what the cops decide to do well maybe what we should do is since she was living with Edward at least prior to the last three weeks let's go to the home and see if we can find some information relating to her drug use so they get to Edward's apartment and when they open the apartment is ransacked I mean stuff all over the place things broken everything shrewn apart pictures all broken on the floor furniture turned over table broken in half dishes all on the floor i mean just ransacked and so the the cops come up with the perspective of okay well maybe this drug thing is serious because perhaps the drug dealer after having attacked sarah came to where he knew her and edward lived and sought to get repayment some kind of way whether that's through some valuable maybe there's some money in the house maybe they can do x y and z to to collect the debt that was owed to them based upon um sarah's cocaine use so that is a perspective of what happened when they go see this so then they need to track this down further because now it may seem more likely than not that maybe this is drug related so we need to speak to other people who know about sarah 
And so they reach out to some of her friends. They speak to her best friend, Christy, ask her, you know, do you know whether or not Sarah had any drug issues? And Christy was a little offensive or defensive, shall I say, about that question, because at this point, her best friend is dead. And what the freak does that matter that she indulged in drugs? But ultimately, Christy confessed that Sarah did do cocaine, but she said that was a while ago. And she also said Sarah didn't have a drug problem. The person who actually had a drug problem was Edward. And that was the that is what precipitated a lot of their problems. Now, Christy did indicate that the two of them did engage in drugs together. Right. That's how they started off. He introduced her to drugs. He been Edward purportedly introduced Sarah to drugs. But it was more like, you know, Whitney and Bobby type the early stages of that. Right. Just having fun. No one thought it was going. No one initially thought it was such an issue. Right. But Sarah communicated to her best friend that she felt that the drugs was one of the reasons why they were they were constantly bumping heads. And so Sarah communicated to to Edward that they needed to stop. And she basically gave him an ultimatum. That ultimatum was we stop drugs or you lose me. Right. Sarah was able to kick the habit fairly quickly. Edward agreed. Right. But Edward was a little more strung out on it, apparently, in the sense that he told her, yes, I'm going to stop. But he couldn't just stop cold turkey like Sarah did. But Sarah didn't know this until one day after going from working out or running some errands, she came into the house, went into the bathroom and she saw him snorting cocaine and she went ballistic, pissed off. And that is one. That's the reason why she left him at that particular point, because it, it appeared as if he was more interested in cocaine versus trying to fix their particular relationship. The friend also indicated that when Edward was using drugs or using cocaine, um, he became erratic. He became more obsessive with her, trying to dictate who she could speak with. She couldn't communicate with people who worked with her, particularly those of opposite sex. He wanted to know who everyone was. He wanted access to her information, her phone, this, that, and the third, wanted to put a tracker on her. Um, and so it was just that obsessive behavior that also drove her to say, you know what? I'm going to put a pin on this. I'm going to put a pulse on this. I'm leaving. I'm going to go and live with my parents. Peace out. Okay. And so during this separation, according to the best friend, it was Edward who was insistent that they not separate in the sense that he was constantly sending text messages um, and Sarah was not having it. Sarah was moving on, not necessarily moving on with anyone, right? Um, but she was focusing on being a better person, right? She realized that at least it appears as if she realized that when she was partaking with cocaine, even though it was recreational, that it impacted her in some kind of form, shape, or fashion, and she wanted to better herself. And, and so that was the best way for them to, to deal with that. So the whole drug dealer scheme started to turn from the investigation. So instead of the, the investigators thinking that, okay, the drug dealer was after Sarah, well, maybe the main person that they were really after was Edward, since Edward appeared to be the one who could not um, stay away from cocaine and so 
the investigators tried to find some hard evidence to substantiate this theory, right? Because right now we're running on thin air. One person is telling us this, the other person is telling us that, another person is telling us this, yet we have absolutely nothing but theories without anything to substantiate those theories, right? So the police decide, which they should have did this from square one. I mean, I don't know what kind of investigation they were doing, but whatever. <laughs> the, po <laughs> the police decide, let's go back to the scene of the crime and let's survey it again and see what we can find, right? So they go back to the to this the initial crime scene, which is where Sarah was found deceased. And, you know, I guess the angels of policing spark some interest in their head to say, wait a minute, okay. If Edward was attacked here at Sarah's house, and if he was stabbed and his throat was cut in Sarah's house, that means that there would be a trail of blood because he had to move from one location to the other and there should be a trail of blood following him. But look, there's nothing out here on the cement. There's nothing on the porch. Um, it was in the middle of the day. So obviously neighbors, someone would have seen him, right? He didn't try to go to get help from the next door neighbors and things of that nature. So something just isn't right with the story. So they decide, okay, now let's go to the scene where we find him. So they go to the scene, which is at the park and they start looking for additional evidence. And lo and behold, what do they find? They find this huge butcher knife. So they find the, the, the butcher knife. They go send it out to the labs um, for testing. And so once the lab um, does its, its testing, here's what it comes back to show. The blood on the knife is obviously Sarah's, right? But the fingerprints on the knife are Edward's, okay? So they, once they get that information, they go and confront Edward at the hospital and is basically like, dude, okay? <laughs> Something isn't adding up with your story. We've, we've checked out the whole drug dealer thing. We were told that it wasn't Sarah who had the drug problem, but more so you. And more importantly, the blood that's on the knife that we found in the park where you were lying, where we found you, right? It's, it's Sarah's and it's only your fingerprints on the knife. So what's good with that? Now, Edward confesses. Um, he basically said, yes, I did it. Um, but instead of telling them initially what happened, he goes back into time, right? He goes back, he talks about how they initially met. Things were great. They both enjoyed to dabble in cocaine um, with one another. It was fine. Sarah did give him the ultimatum. He couldn't kick it the way that Sarah could kick it, but they did have financial problems as a result of their cocaine use, right? So they were indulging in this recreational cocaine. They were using money towards that, but not using it towards the bill. That created a stressor for them, which in turn spilled into their relationship, which in turn meant that they began blaming each other for the stressors, right? Um, and so they that's when Sarah decided that they needed to have a break once she came in and she found him um, using drugs in the bathroom, right? So he says that he never really wanted to leave Sarah. He was texting her, you know, consistently, 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 consistently. Um, she wasn't responding. Um, 
to any of his his messages and i think there was one text message where he sent something in effect of the more you ignore me the angrier i'm going to get right so what he does is he goes on this alcoholic and cocaine binge right where basically he just drank bottles and bottles of alcohol right in one particular night he engaged in cocaine and he just basically stood he stayed up the entire night right he says that you know he was drinking not to get any gauze to do anything to Sarah. He never had any intentions of doing anything to Sarah, according to him. It was his way of masking the hurt. Now, let me sidebar on this very quickly. You know, um, cocaine, drugs, alcohol, they might make you feel good, but they don't make the problems go away. I know people who use it um, as a source of therapy it doesn't work it just creates disaster after disaster and not only does it create disaster after disaster but it also impacts more people than just that other individuals and a lot of that individual and a lot of times the individual who engage in reckless behavior because of alcohol or drugs they don't think anything about it they want you to give them a pass they think that because they don't remember what happened that you too forgot that something happened um, and so you cannot use substances as a mask, as a healer or as a band-aid, right? They don't stay on long. They don't cover up things long, right? And then when you come down off of that, you, you're looking stupid in the middle of the room, right? Okay. And essentially what happened with Edward, but that's not the reason why he went over there and did what he did, right? So, um, during this process, Sarah was getting pissed off with him constantly sending messages. So what he was trying to do was blackmail her, right? So he would send messages. He sent a message up to her parents, a picture of her with cocaine, basically saying, look, your daughter is on drugs, right? The parents didn't bite on that. You know, they, they're going to support their daughter. I don't know why not. They see the pictures there, but maybe they thought it was Photoshop. Putting that aside, they didn't bite on that. That pissed him off more. So then he sent a message to Sarah to let her know, listen, if you don't respond to me, I'm going to release the sex tape that we did, right? So Sarah responds, basically says, saying to him, look, you're not going to bully me. You're not going to push me. You're not going to threaten me to get back with you. Do whatever you need to do. I'm done. I'm moving on. You need to move on, right? Sarah was with her friend one particular night. She was still wearing her wedding ring. And she decided that this particular time she was going to take it off. You know, her friends basically, why are you still wearing that shit? You ain't with them. She takes it off, throws it into her, her wine glass. The friend takes a picture of the hand and place on her own Facebook post. She posts a picture of Sarah without her wedding ring. Um, and basically what she she put on there was that it said single and loving it. Right. Um, and so then what happens is and here's the kicker. This is what precipitates this anger from Edward. Then Sarah goes on her own Facebook and she changed her status from married to single. OK. Edward's friend, because, you know, people like ain't got no life, right? On social media, all they need to do is just follow and follow and follow, try to find something they can talk about. 
Edward's friend saw the change of the relationship status from married to single and he sent Edward a text message and was like do go check Sarah's page and so Edward does just that and that is when he goes into this rampage and that's why his apartment was ransacked. He took a baseball back, started breaking everything, tearing everything up, throwing things all over the place, just pissed off that A, she changed her status from married to single, letting the world know that she was done with Edward. And so now Edward needs to face the reality that maybe he was telling everyone they were working it out or she was on vacation or she was just visiting her parents because they were sick or something. Now he needs to force to face the reality that brah, this relationship is over. So he goes onto this rampage. He's already drunk, right? Been drinking bottles and bottles and bottles of alcohol, been snorting cocaine for God knows how long that day, right? Been up 24 hours. He decides, okay, I'm going to go over there and talk to Sarah. So he goes to Sarah's parents' house. He waits outside in the vehicle, his work vehicle, until the parents leave. And once the parents leave, he goes to the front door. He thinks the door is going to be open because they're just waiting for him to come, right? The door is locked. So he takes some kind of object. He breaks a window. He goes in, opens the door. Then he goes into the room. Sarah is asleep. She doesn't wake up until she sees or hears him coming to the room. So she jumps up. She's alert. Like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I just want to talk. Like, we need to talk. Um, we need to work this through. Like we can fix the problems type of thing. And she's basically like, bruh, what don't you get? Like, get it to your head. I'm moving on. I don't want to be with you anymore. This relationship, this marriage is over. It's dead. Complete. Right. And so um, at this particular point, he pulls out a knife out the back of his pocket. Now, obviously, he has some kind of reason to have this knife. There is not just there to be there. Right. Um, he pulls out this big butcher knife. He puts it to his throat because his intentions, according to him, was always to take his own life. And so she's basically like, don't do anything stupid. But the process of him pressing this knife to himself, she tries to run. And then that's when he goes ballistic. According to him, he blacks out because of the alcohol, the drugs, and he just repeatedly stabs her. And I said from the beginning, he stabbed her over 47 times. Once he came to his senses and realized what he did, then he decided he needed to run, but he couldn't go out the front door. Ding, ding, ding. Why? Because it was daytime. Duh. Like the police should have figured out from the beginning. And he didn't want people to see him. So then he ran out the back door, ran, 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 ran into the park, according to him, until he got exhausted and fell out. And that's when he cut himself on the neck and on the hands with the intention of trying to kill himself. And... Yeah, so that's why he did it. All because of a relationship status that went from married to single, right? This is why you, people should pay too much attention to this. Social media is just it's just too much, right? It's giving too much access to, to your personal life. People are looking. You never know what people are thinking. People misinterpret things. And she could have just been doing that just to get at him. And she could have had all intentions in the world to talk to him, but needed to talk to him on her time, on her her terms. Um, and when it was mutually agreeable and accepted to them, to, to both of them. But he decided, nah, I didn't want to do that. So, yeah, um, ultimately, he was sentenced to 18 years to life in prison. Crazy, right? Killed his own wife because she changed her status 
from married to single. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But anyhow, that is the episode for today. That is episode 52. Single in a relationship or it's complicated. I know some of you out there um, have one of those status um, updates on your on your social media. Be careful about who's looking at it. Be careful about um, what that may portray to someone that maybe you have some kind of relationship with that is just kind of cuckoo. Um, so think about all that. Um, but yeah, be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can like, comment, and subscribe. Feel free to send us any kind of emails, messages, what have you. We'll be there for you. And you also see my new baby over here, my new hookah. Her name is Stacy. So welcome, Stacy, to the family. All right. Until next time, continue to drink, listen, and converse. Peace and 